Hello and welcome to the GateDrop.com 2022 MXGP and AMS season review. Andy McKinstry joins me. Andy, what a conclusion to the two series. A weekend full of tension and adrenaline. It was uh, pretty much a dream end to the, the motocross season on in America and the World, and World Championship. Yeah, certainly a very big weekend for the, the motocross sport, that's for sure. Um, in terms of uh, the AMA 450 class, went down right to the, down to the wire and MX2 literally couldn't have been any closer. So really, really exciting and a fantastic end of the season. It's just a bit of a shame and that's the... That's, uh, AMA Nationals and the MXGP season over now so we'll have to wait a bit for those to resume next year but obviously we're, we're going full scale ahead of the motocross the nations now so still something to look forward to but it'll it'll take something special to beat what we just witnessed at the weekend there it was very very exciting and if you're Yago Gertz you're probably wishing Omen wasn't cancelled because that would give you another another round to try and get get that points lead and get that championship back we'll start with MX2 I thought the American championship for Saxon and Tomac was fantastic on Saturday night, but I think MX2 maybe just outdid it with what happened yesterday. For the two riders to crash at the pace they were going, the fact that Vial's mistake actually gave him the advantage in this in this world championship, and for you could more or less say that a crash gave him a second world title, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And you have to feel for Yago Gertz. Yes, he's made his mistakes at the end of the season, but in that race, he was the one that didn't make the mistake, and he still paid the price going down with Fial's mistake. But both riders, you have to take your hat off to them. The pace, the intensity of, of both of those motors was unbelievable, especially on a track that was so slick. It didn't really reward aggressive riding, but those two had to ride aggressive given the situation, and it was uh, it was tense to watch. My heart rate was high, never mind theirs. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, all season, these two dudes have provided unbelievable racing and great entertainment, really. I mean, how many times have they swapped the red plate? And um, we got the, obviously, Yago had the red plate coming into the final round. And we got the we got the last twist with Vial just, just doing enough at the end there. But, I mean, it, it is a bit of a shame there only has to be one winner when it comes down so yeah, close. Especially and, and especially under the circumstances. Like, I, I do think Gertz lost the championship. The second moto in France, mm-hmm. but if you just if you just isolate this the very last moto, I mean, f- out of all the motos for Vial to go down and Gertz hit the back of him, you couldn't have picked a worse moto for that to happen. Um, and just unbelievable, you couldn't really make it up. But <laughs> very un- unfortunate for Gertz. But you know, Vial so ruthless, so cool, calm, and collected under pressure, and he goes to America now, two times world champion. He thoroughly does deserve it. You know, at the start of the season, KTM and also Vial came in underprepared. The bike didn't look so good at the start of the year, but when it hit the midway point, he started to get a lot more comfortable. The bike looked a lot better. And, you know, whenever it mattered, he, he did what was required to, to get over the line and, and win his second world title. So credit to him. And obviously he'll go to America now, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully in a few years, we'll see him back in MXGP riding a 450 because... Unless he masters Supercross, I do feel his strength is motocross, and it'd be nice to see him in MXGP in the future. And especially, see, as you say, seeing them riding with that pace, probably over the limit. You have to say at times, um, at such a such a slick, rock hard, and quite sketchy track in places. It was it was great to watch and very good entertainment wise. It was unbelievable. 
Yeah, and after a performance like that, if Fial was moving to MXGP, it would have been very, very exciting for another rider of that level. You saw what Renault did this year. We get on to the 450 class in a minute, but Renault had the pace, so you can be sure that Tom Vial would have the pace if he's able to adjust to the bike because the, the talent's there, the speed was there, and as you alluded to, the coldness under pressure was there. Just looking at his last four motos when his back was against the wall, he went 2 1 1 1. Iago went three, arguably in France when he could have won, and then a seventh with the crashes, and again, Finland. Just the, the round before that, that was the moto, I think, that really opened the door for Vial again. Whenever Iago was leading the second moto in the sand and crashed and went down and had to come from last. Tom got the win there as well. So five of the last, four of the last five motos, Vial won. And you could argue two or three of them, he maybe wasn't the fastest to win. But Iago's crashes coming through to there and then again, not getting the start in the first one, put himself under pressure even though again he had the speed to catch Vial in the first moto in Turkey, he ended up with the pressure on himself almost for that final moto. And yet that was the moto when he was really executing. He leaned on Vial coming out of the start. He had the whole shot, but then Vial's first lap was pretty fantastic. Fourth to first, fourth to second, and then the lap later, a very aggressive pass from Gertz. No messing around, and... Yago had the chance to do a similar aggressive pass back and he didn't quite execute it. Paul Mallon even said in the commentary he needed to block him, break check him instead of going wide and allowing Vial to come under him. Ultimately, it was Vial getting back in the lead. Then he made that crash and Yago was on such a hot pace at that point. He was literally right on Vial's back wheel. He didn't really have a chance to change his line or anything. It happened that quick. Unfortunately, he went down and ended up with a worse crash than Vial, and that five-second gap was ultimately what Iago had to push probably beyond his limit to try and catch, but fair play to him, he was catching. Again, he had the gap down to, I think, four, and then when even when he went down again, he still caught up to four seconds back, and then he kissed that huge double. So you, you can't say it's a lack of effort for Iago, but certainly not a lack of speed. And certainly that last moto was bad luck, but the position he ended up in, having to win that moto, he probably shouldn't have been in that position. If you think back to Finland when he was leading that second moto, to get to that position where you're one point behind the championship going into the last moto, that's probably where the, the mistakes came that cost him. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. It was those second motos in Finland and France that really did cost him this championship. But like we said, if you just isolate this, the second yeah. moto, very, very exciting. And it, it's kind of... It was good to watch our second moto because we've seen two kind of different styles. You know, Yago usually takes a couple, maybe three or four or five laps to suss out lines, to suss out the track, whereas Vial's usually a fast starter. Obviously, he didn't get the whole shot, but Vial's quite good at pinning it the first two, three laps mm-hmm. to get away from everybody. And we've seen that a little bit in the second moto. And, you know, Vial was really going quick and it actually looked like, you know, he was going to pull away and, and maybe smoke Gertz. But then, then yeah. once Gertz smoke, or once Gertz figured out the track, figured out lines, I have to say, over those waves and a few sections before and after that, he was carrying a lot of speed. So, his corner speed was and, unbelievable. Yeah, and obviously, he was trying to be aggressive with Vial, but, you know, there was still 20 minutes, 15 or so minutes left. So I don't think in his head, he wasn't in a rush, you know, to, to do anything aggressive. I think if... In his head, he was probably thinking there's still a lot of time left. And if, if it had got down to three or four laps to go, I'm sure he would have been more aggressive and, and done what he needed to do. And also, 
sometimes putting somebody under pressure like Gertz done is quite good because you force a mistake then and, and ultimately <laughs> Gertz actually did force the mistake <laughs> but unfortunately yeah exactly and um also he if he did pass him too early you know Vial's not stupid he would have caught onto those lines and used them and then you know yeah, he exactly. might have been benefited from that so we don't really know what way it would have went but I can tell you one thing for sure the pace of them was very very close you would say obviously it looks like Iago was quicker but he had to, you know, to go up. The, yeah, he needed to push above his limit, you know, once he made those mistakes. And Vial obviously pushing very hard. Maybe he didn't have to go to 120%, which Iago was riding at. But it's just a pity, really, that that's the way the championship ended if we isolate that moto because it would have been nice to, to see them battling the whole race. I mean, imagine if they were together with two or three laps to go. That's could what have it was been like, wasn't it? Yeah, it, was... it could have been unbelievable. Obviously, there's a lot of people... Um, criticizing Yamaha for their pit boards there was one set on it no respect and then I think the other one was bam bam I personally don't mind the no respect one because I think that's just telling Yago to be aggressive and you yeah, know because he's, he's usually but, uh, the nicer yeah, one the, of the two yeah not exactly so I don't quite mind that pit board but the bam bam one that might be a little bit over the line telling him to do that I didn't actually mind either of them I think Bam Bam was basically just saying be aggressive as well and sort of Americanized. Yeah, could have worded it a bit better. You, you could actually blame Justin Barsha for that because the last thing Justin Barsha did was injure Dylan Fernandes. So <laughs> maybe that's where the people are getting upset mm. because they're thinking that's what Yamaha meant. Mm. I wouldn't think they would mean to take to Barsha on a Fernandes type scenario because I don't think Yamaha and I certainly don't think Yago would do that. Um, I think they just meant be aggressive, push him out. Mm -hmm. We saw even off the start, Yago very on Yago like did cut across Tom, mm -hmm. and maybe that's why you know, Tom just dropped the hammer as soon as he got round that first turn because he knew he couldn't. Yago was on a mission, and he returned the favor with an aggressive move back. To me, it was just it was basically be aggressive, and it's now or never. Yeah. It's for a world championship. With either of those guys had to take the other one out to win the end of the race kind of have to say fair enough you open the door that's kind of what you deserve it's not nice it's not the way you want to win a world title but to be honest at that point Yago's desperate he had the lead he got it taken away from him reflective of the whole championship he led a lot of the championship he got it taken away from him at the end he had to do something but I don't think Yamaha meant take uh, Tom Vial out and leave him with herniated discs like like Barsha did with uh, Ferrandis. I think it was just be aggressive in different forms at that point the mechanics like everybody's living and breathing this mm -hmm. and they're as des desperate as Iago and they're probably just trying to write the same message in different ways to motivate Gertz but I don't think he needed motivation I think this year for Iago was his best ever year he was almost perfect it was just those two rounds it says you said the second moto in Finland second moto in France where those old mistakes came back and ultimately it bit him and you could argue his starts weren't quite where they needed to be in the last two rounds anyway, especially that first moto in Turkey. I think if Yago whole-shot at that first one, he maybe wouldn't have made those mistakes, but you have to commend Tom Vial to win four of the last five motos when basically he couldn't afford one single mistake. That's that's performance under pressure, and that's what top champions are really made of. They rise to the occasion. They get faster under pressure. Grant Langston was, was very similar to that, all those guys. When the pressure's on, they're able to to make it happen. And that's probably just a small bit. That's probably not even a percent for Iago Gertz this year. I feel he's improved a lot. 
it's probably half a percent now. And maybe if Tom Vial had crashed and Iago hadn't hit him, you might be saying the complete opposite. That's how small the margins are. But for Iago Gertz, you worry how long this will take to get over. I know Stefan Everts in 94 lost a championship. He felt he should have won to Greg Albertine. And he admitted that even at the start of the 95 Grand Prix season, when the season had started, Albertine actually had went to America just like Tom's doing. So he didn't even have the the revenge mentality, that motivation either. And he said he was he didn't have the same motivation even starting that season that he had going into 94. And you just wonder for Iago, he's not going to get to... There is revenge on Vial next year either, even if he does win the title. So how long is it going to take him to get over that? Because if you're going to lose a title, that's probably a nightmare that you'd want to wake up from at four in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I think it will take him a while to get over it. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what he's riding like at the motocross the nations yeah, actually i wouldn't be that, yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if his heart wasn't in it now to be honest yeah. after losing the title like that but um you know he's gonna have to just forget about this as soon as he can and come out far next year because you know he, he can't lack motivation because table benny stunt his teammate give him another winter once he gets this um collarbone surgery He'll come out of the blocks fast. You know, Kaido Will's only going to get better and better. You've got Roman van der Moosdijk's going into his last year, so it's do or die for him. And then, you know, there's always a couple of surprises. Same on Lagenfeller. Couldn't root him out. He gets better and better every year. So I don't think it's going to be... be even though Gertz is going in um, as the favourite next year, you know, he's never really went into the season as a clear favourite like this. Mm-hmm. Even coming in this year, he was people's favourite, but, you know, nobody was... 50, and you know it was 50-50 really, really between him and Vial whereas next year Gertz is going into the season as 100% most people's favourite and that's a lot of pressure and that brings different mentality and different expectations with it so it's going to be interesting you know Iago as unbelievably talented as he is mentally has probably been his weak point his whole career but like you say this year I think he almost sorted that bit out it was just those two motos really in, in Finland and France that sort of wrecked this championship mm-hmm. so it will be interesting if he can have this sort of same mentality as he does as he had this year next year because i think if he does he should be able to win the title because i mean hard pack some races will be close but you would think yeah. he'd be far too good for those guys in sand i mean vial mm-hmm. i think beat him at rayola but um well yeah the wolf maybe but I, I wouldn't put him down as a title contender just yet mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting the if if i was yago and I know Stefan obviously has Liam, who's getting faster and faster and sort of all the arrive for Iago. But if, if I was Iago and obviously he's around in the nations with Liam, Stefan's going to be there. They're both Belgian. Everts has lived, Stefan Everts has lived what Iago's just been through. And if I was him, I would, first thing I would do would be speak to Stefan about it and see how he got over it and what his advice would be now because. Everts then lost again a tough title fight to Tortelli. So he knows he probably has the tools to deal with that level of disappointment that maybe most people, even at the top level, haven't had to endure. Because yeah, had, had Everts won a title before 94? That's the only thing, yeah. He won the yeah, 125 title, but yeah, he never okay. won the 250. So, so this was him trying oh, to get the okay. 250. Well, but at least he had a world but, title, yeah. though. Slightly different for Iago because he still hasn't won the world title. And you just wonder how desperate he'll be as well because it's his last chance next year. It's already confirmed he's going up to MXGP yeah, in true. 2024. So it's all or nothing really next year for Miago and he certainly can't afford to get injured either. So it's going to be other, fascinating. Yeah, and the other side of that is last year, 
it was deemed Gert's VVL and it was his teammate Maxime Renault who came not out of nowhere but really brought his A game. He won that title. And when we've, what we've seen when Beniston's fit this year, he's certainly capable of winning races. There's a danger that Beniston could end up doing what Renault did last year, next year. So while Yago will be the overwhelming favourite, Beniston, a fit Beniston with no injury, isn't going to be easy to beat. Uh, yeah. You're going to have Kaido Wills not going to be easy to beat, as you say. So I don't think it's going to be easy, but it's probably more Yago recovering mentally and coming in full of motivation and focus again. Yeah, and Benistan and Lagenfeld are also they're coming in as underdogs as well. Yeah, no and that can be very dangerous. So the start of the season it's going to be very interesting because they'll feel that they're under no pressure. But then obviously, you know, if they win three, four, five GPs, then they will get that pressure. So it will be definitely very interesting to see how the season starts, that's for sure. And I think if you're Iago, you have to come out all guns firing and say to these guys, Look, I'm still top dog here, try and beat them early and then go on a bit of a roll. Because then that, that can be good for the confidence as well. Just for KTM as well, they've had maybe the worst season in a number of years in terms mm. of motocross, America, World Championship. Nothing really went right for them. So I don't think you can underestimate just how big that win was for KTM as a group. And again, for Tom Vial, even more pressure because he was the sole guy that had a chance of winning the championship this year. And he delivered. Pitt Barrow was at Masano, but you can guarantee at the MotoGP. You can guarantee he was more interested in Tom Vial winning that world title whenever the MotoGP race was over because they weren't having a good time in MotoGP either. Hmm, Everything, the whole company's profile in 2022 was on Tom Vial's shoulders. And you mentioned it was Iago's last last chance next year. This was Tom's last chance this year in MX2 World Championship because, as you say, when he comes back, if he comes back, he'll bring MXGP. So this was a one-moto shootout, his last ever moto. KTM pressure on him, his own pressure before he goes to America and, and he delivered, even though he made that mistake, but he, he did what he had to do and he got it done, unbelievable. Yeah, and I think if you just look at the MX2 World Championship, I think this KTM probably need, needed this title more than Yamaha. Obviously, yeah. Yamaha were reigning champions with Maxime Renault mm-hmm. and next year, you know, it would be a surprise. I think Dirk Grubel, you interviewed him at Lommel and even he said it's going to be different for them next year because it's the first mm-hmm. year, maybe in our whole lives, where they've got two riders that they're just going to try and develop for the future, and they're not actually going into the season expecting to challenge for a world title. So it's going to be unknown territory for KTM, and I think that's why this year was so big for them, because at least to have this title under their belt, and maybe next year with Jeffrey back, they can fully focus on MXGP and then worry about MX in the future again. But if Gertz had won this title, Yamaha potentially could have been going for three in a row. So it was a... It was a big one for KTM to get a feel. Yeah, and Yamaha almost had the perfect weekend with with Eli, that will, who will come to later, winning that, that shootout in America. They just needed Yago to get over the line in, in the MX2 World Championship. It didn't quite happen. Just quickly on a few other riders that impressed this, this season, Simon Langenfelder started on fire, had a bit of a dip, injuries, one thing and another. But I was really impressed at the end of the season how he came back into his form. At times, he was running the speed of Vial and Gertz, but it's hard to do that for 30 minutes twice a, twice a, a day at a GP level, but he, he isn't too far away. Certainly has potential, a lot more potential, and third overall of the, in the season. Really good for him. Kevin Horgmo, he came on really strong. At the start of the year, he was fast, but he was losing the front wheel a lot. 
he kind of rectified that and fourth in the championship for him has to be I don't know if he would even have expected that coming into this year. And then we have Thibaut Beniston and Kaido Wolf, fifth and sixth. Beniston missed the first three. Kaido Wolf, he had that injury after that car crash as well as, as Argentina. He missed three Grand Prix as well. So fifth and sixth for them. And I think those are the guys that everyone will be looking at next year to try and step up Diego Gert's level. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on Turkey, it was actually really nice to see Ron van der Moestek obviously really come into good. the year with a lot of expectation. It was nice to see him end the season with a bang, getting on that podium, and his teammate fourth fourth overall as well. So it was a good weekend for Husky after you would have to say a tough season, really, coming into the season with so much mm-hmm. expectation after such a good preseason. But things going wrong quite quickly, and it wasn't really, well, it wasn't Kaido Will's fault, obviously. You know I mean, he got uh, ran over by a car. There's not much you can do about that. And, <laughs> and uh, Val the Moustache, um, getting injured at the start of the season was unfortunate. So them two next year will be very interesting. Van der Moestek, it's very important for him to stay fit. I still feel he is underrated, but he just needs to get GPs under his belt and get used to the class. It feels like even though he's been an MXGP rider for two or three years now, you know he's still sort of getting used to it because he might go four or five GPs and then get injured. So he can never really get into a role. So hopefully next year he can stay injury free. And if he can, he's a consistent rider. So he should be a top five rider quite a lot, but it's whether or not he, he can win enough to be a title threat. That That's, I think, the question with Van der Moestijk. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then, obviously, uh, KTM having a very young lineup and Liam Everts and Andre Adamo is going to be very interesting. And then you're going to have the MX250 guys move up. Rick Elzinga is already confirmed at Yamaha. He's got the two perfect teammates to learn. I think he does struggle with health issues, so... Hopefully he can get he can be a hundred percent coming into the season and show what he can do in the MX World Championship after winning the MX two fifty title. And just on De Wolf, his first moto was really impressive in Turkey. Obviously he's Dutch and that was pretty pure hard pack mm-hmm. in Turkey and he was oh, running great. on the pace of, of those top two for a good while. So I think that's probably if you want to say weakness, it's relative to his sand strength. A wee bit like Hurlings, it took him a couple of years to get as good and hard pack as he was in the sand. And I think that motto from the Wolf shows that he's not only has the ability to do it, he's starting to work out how to do it and to be in the company of Vial and Gertz for that long when they were riding that pace. Really good indication that Kyle Wolf with another winter, I presume he spent a lot of time in hard pack as well. He could, at his age, he's going to make big steps and sixth, missing three rounds. Is probably a big step. He maybe didn't have the wins he wanted this year, but it certainly wasn't far away. And uh, I think next year, if he can make that step, he's going to be good. And I think for the nations, he can kind of let it all hang out there this three weeks as well and let people know in Redbud who he is. Absolutely. I think with Kai DeWolf, uh, it's a start. Whenever he gets a start, yeah. he, you know, he's good enough to, to run point. the pace of the Alan Gertz, but he doesn't always get them. And we're seeing it was a reminder of what he can do when he gets a good start in Turkey. And like you said, a track that uh, you know isn't exactly his forte. So I think with him, it's just starts. If he can get nail the starts every week, he shouldn't be too far away. I don't think I'd put him in as a title contender because I'm not sure he'll win enough. But you know, he'll certainly be consistent. He maybe he could maybe do something like what Lagenfelder done this year. Something like that would be quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously some unofficial news is. Um, Ruben, Jeffrey Herling's practice mechanic is actually going to be working with Kyle Wolf next year so it'll be interesting to see how those two 
form a, a, a relationship together and if, if Ruben can take the Wolf to the next level, will be interesting. Yeah, and you know, as with the experience he has with Jeffrey, he's been through young Jeffrey and those mistakes, if he made that many, DeWolf can probably learn from that as well. Just a couple of other riders I want to touch on. He had a really good season. Young Pankar for Slovenia, 11th. And it kind of adds to the frustration that Slovenia don't seem to be going to the Nations. He had another good good round in Turkey, top 10 again. Really strong from him. Tim Geiser, we'll touch on shortly, won the, the 450 class. And Slovenia would have had a really good team. But just in isolation, young Pankar rode really, really well this year. Um, Kai Karsmakers and Tom Guyon really impressive seasons Karsmakers just up from a one two five, and especially at the really end of the good. season he was putting in really good results 14th overall from him Tom Guyon 15th also didn't do all didn't do all the rounds at the start of the year came on strong he ended it didn't actually ride in Turkey but he obviously ended his year with an incredible third in, in France for a French one two three, mm-hmm. underlining the, the talent for me France maybe Holland or Per, per capita, per motocross rider in that country, or maybe the, the two leading nations. Obviously, America have a lot more choice because they're so big and they're a leading nation as well. But in terms of the size of nations in relation to the amount of talent they're putting out, France just continue to do it. It's pretty unbelievable. And Guyon looks like now he's going to secure a competitive package for next year. Yeah, Factory Fantic, and obviously um, the, the Fadric, mm-hmm. Fadric, Factory Fantic team made their MX2 GP debut actually mm-hmm. in Turkey there. So they could get um, testing sorted for next year and just see where they are really. And done quite well. I think Hundell was 12th overall or something in his MX2GP debut. So not bad at all. They'll have a long winter now trying to develop a four-stroke and hopefully Gaon can have a full winter and then be ready at round one, something that he wasn't coming into this year. Um, and then another rider, Mikael Harb, started the season yeah. unbelievably well, actually. Really good pace, but... Since Indonesia, really, they've had a bit of, a bit, a bit of bike issues, which they technical issues, yeah, and he's had COVID as well and stuff. So, bit of an unfortunate end of the season. But when he's on it and feeling good, I mean, he has the speed to be a, a podium, a regular podium guy. And and, and I was at Portugal; he was unbelievable. He had the speed to win there, actually. So, be interesting to see it. So I mean, these guys just need another off season, and they can go to another level, possible. And he actually was two points off sixth. He lost he lost sixth place in the championship in the last round there. So that's probably a bit annoying. You would kind of say that top sixth six he was sort of there most of most of the season. But still seventh overall. Really good season for him. Yes, he probably lost a bit of confidence, momentum with everything that happened at the end of the year with the bike and different things with seventh overall. Certainly the step forward. He always had speed and then he would crash. This year I feel he had the speed and he didn't really crash much either. Um, but we got to see really the, the almost the full potential of Michael Harrop and, and what he could do with even another year's experience under his belt, knowing that he can run at the front now. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, it was an enjoyable season. And I'm actually in uh, first championship, exciting championship battle like an MX2 for a long time. Actually, I can't really remember the last time it came down so close. So, Hopefully yeah, next year could be the same. <laughs> Although well, Yag yeah, yeah, will be hoping it won't be as close next year. <laughs> the hurling's text here, but that was for different reasons, obviously. Mm, yeah, Jeffrey yeah, yeah definitely. Leg and nearly done it. And then, yeah, yeah. I think, 95, Caroli Pizarre. That was, well, was very, one. very... Well, you know, but I still expect you to remember it. But you really, you really love motocross. <laughs> or even you, Nigel to tell you all about it. But no, that, so that was an unbelievable finale as well. Very reminiscent, a wee bit of... 
Fial and Gertz, but Cutie and Bizarre didn't didn't crash into each other. So we'll move on to MXGP, and really it was the Tim Geyser show, and at the, he did all his damage in the first half of the season. I think it's felt like, and I think he said even in in the in interviews since that once he had that big lead, he was almost unintentionally playing it safe. He just had this nagging thing in the back of his mind where he just didn't want to throw it away, didn't want to get injured and lose a championship whenever he had such a big points lead. I think we saw the last couple of rounds, once he secured the championship, his pace was back. He won the GP in Turkey, came from really far back in the first moto on a track that isn't that easy to pass. Rode strong again in, in the second moto, obviously Fevre ended on a high, so that was really nice to see for him after what he's been through the last 12 months, back on the podium with a moto win. And really, the, the it was almost the season you almost expected without Hurlings coming into the year. Fevre, Prado starting to look better, but, but obviously Geyser and Fevre at the front. Maxime Renault won a moto as well. It was almost a what could have been this year, but everyone had their issues except Tim Geyser, who probably was even quicker than he was last year, and then just managed the championship. And for me, it's almost like he's got that one out of the way, but the motivation for from last year probably still hasn't went away because I still think his motivation is to beat Jeffrey Hurling straight up in a championship. And with Jeffrey getting injured, that's still the carrot to motivate Tim going into 2023. So I think Tim will probably be even better next year because it was almost like he was an automatic pilot the last half of the season. Absolutely. Um, Geyser started the season unbelievably well and he ended it very strong too, but there was just a wee blip, you know, in the middle. But obviously that was due to um thinking about the championship and thinking about the bigger picture. Absolutely the right thing to do. You know, there's no point going out, riding balls out and getting yourself injured and throwing away a championship. So he's done the right thing and very, very strong season. And as you say, next year, hopefully um Jeffrey Hurlings will be back 100% ready to go for round one. Um. Roman Fevre will hopefully be able to start the season. Stay away from Paris, please, Roman, mm-hmm. if you're listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and hopefully Jorge Prado will be more back to his, maybe his older level, I would say. This season, he was probably the biggest disappointment, but obviously, you he know, still switching. <laughs> yeah, he still got third. Bit of a shame, Maxime Renault uh, missed out in two GPs. Otherwise, I yeah. think he would have been pushing for second, probably. For me, he was... For a rookie, he was he, he was, was fantastic this year. year yeah, I, yeah, it, I, I, yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. Sorry. So yeah, a, a really good season for Maxime Renault. But now he's going in and he'll only be thinking about one thing going into next year, and that's can I win this championship? You so said that already, completely, yeah. Di- yeah, completely different mindset now. It'll be interesting to see w- what he does. And um, I think if he starts the season the way he sort of ended this one, that would be a good building block for him to to progress. I think that exact sentence can be said for Jeremy Sear. If he could start the season mm-hmm. <laughs> the way he ended this year as well, he's going to be close to this championship too. He was fantastic at sort of midway through this season. And for Jorge Prado, it almost shows how good he is to still get third on a bike he wasn't comfortable with. Then a dislocated shoulder that he chose not to have an operation on. And then COVID around the time of Lommel, which completely explains Lommel. Then recovering from that from a few weeks. So, I feel for Prado, he's had three years and we've never really been able to see the full 100% Jorge Prado on a 450. And each year he's always been hovering around the top two, three, four positions and winning GPs. But it is getting frustrating. There's a point where he's going to have to deliver and he just he has to stay fit, obviously. But it's not going to be easy next year with Jeffrey Hurling's back, Maxime Renault a year's experience. 
if Tom Vial had come been going in, it would have been really interesting as well because I don't think he was going to wait around. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Yago's coming in the year after, so for Prado, he's got a year under his belt with this bike as well, and it's it's getting to the point where he has to deliver. But then, if you get hurt and get COVID, it's sort of beyond your control. But hopefully, the bike will be better next year, and he'll be able to come in healthy. But certainly. Despite getting third, which under the circumstances it's probably still a decent result to come away for Gascas third overall. It wasn't, I would say, the real Jorge Prado. He's capable of so much more. Yeah, I mean, I think if there was one rider that didn't ride this true potential this year in that class, it probably is Jorge Prado. Mm-hmm. But like you highlighted, third in the championship isn't that bad. A lot of riders are dreaming to be in that uh, position. But I mean, everyone expects Jorge Prado to be a future world champion, but as you say, it is going to get to that point where he is going to have to deliver. And at the start of next year, you know, the levels all being well, Fever and Hurlings and guys are all there. You know, the level is going to be back to somewhere mm-hmm. close to what it was last year again, you'd feel. So he's going to have to step it up and, and be ready for round one next year, I feel, because he's also a bit of a confidence rider too. And if results aren't going well, as we've seen this year, you know, it, it can be tough for him. So I think he needs to come out far at the start of next year. And, and if he is, he'll feel good. And, you know, whenever he is confident and feeling good, he can, the bad results don't affect him. Whenever he's in that bad rut, you know, it can continue. So it'll be interesting, that's for sure. But I'm just really looking forward to seeing hopefully a healthy Roman Fever and a healthy Jeffrey Hurlings from the start next year. I think Fever, for me, he's still such an underrated rider. Mm-hmm. ending the season best way possible with the Moto win and you're never really that surprised when he does pull out a win out of the bag so it's going to be interesting to start the season and like I said it should be very very high level again starting from round one next year hopefully and although the series was still good to watch especially a lot of individual motos the first 15 minutes in that first moto in Turkey was yeah. madness I was yeah, just was crazy, waiting for yeah. all the motocross across the nation's riders to all get wrecked um, Mitch Evans he was really fast again for the first half of that moto. I think the heat maybe got to him and he had the big crash that you were everyone was afraid of. I think luckily he's okay, sore but okay and a little bit riding at, at Redbud. So I think Mitch Evans was probably a feel-good story as well for, for 2022 after his wrist. He came 10th in the championship, but he speed-wise, there's a lot more to come from him. And the way he rides, he has quite a lot of margin for error. Although he did a couple of big crashes as well. Um, third place, yes, did go to Prado, but you mentioned Renault. He was only 11 points back from that, and then three behind that was Glenn Coldenhop. All three of them were actually fighting for third overall. Definitely a big improvement for Glenn this year. He had the speed to win. It was almost like the Glenn of a couple of years ago, pre-Yamaha. On his day, he could win. He maybe third was he's probably disappointed. He didn't quite connect with, with third overall and the bronze medal. You wouldn't have said it would have been a false position if he had got third with the way he's been riding. Probably that, that Italy round and the second round of the year, first moto in, in Britain, those type of issues he was having with arm pump going backwards at the start, that maybe cost him, but certainly halfway through the season, he really started to find his flow. And it was really good to see Glenn really ride like Glenn again. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of last season, you wouldn't have thought that um, he would have done off the secure a spot on the factory Yamaha team for 2023 and although that's still to be confirmed that is going to be the case so it just showed you how much progress he made this year and fifth in the world championship getting some podiums and stuff along the way it was a very solid season after a couple of difficult seasons let's say so it was nice to see him ride more like himself and 
I feel like outside the, the Tim Geiser and the Maxime Renault stories of this year, I mean, Bram Bodgers and Calvin Flandern, certain times, both of those yeah. guys, especially in the Sam, were just unbelievable. Who would have thought were, that they would they win six GPs and seven coming the championship into this right year? Next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and who would have thought coming into the season that they, them two guys would have won GPs? And winning I mean, style as well. It wasn't yeah, just yeah. Winning, like, it was emphatic yeah. victories. Yeah. I mean, Bodgers was a few years ago, he wasn't seen as good enough to be an HRC home rider. Flandern hasn't got uh, a factory team behind him. So for those two guys to do what they've done, I think they've proved a lot of people wrong there. So it's, it's good to see. And Flandern obviously got the call to the right red bud. So he'll feel he has some revenge to do there because it will, if it wasn't for his um, eye, injury, eye, got... eye injury, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Netherlands would have smoked that nations in 2018. So going to be diff- very, very difficult with no Jeffrey this year, but he'll feel that he has redemption to make at Red Bull, so hopefully he can come out flying. Yeah, and yet again, we talked about the Netherlands before, but 5th, 6th and 7th, basically, in the championship still, with no Jeffrey Hurlings, and obviously De Wolf and Van Moosteg in the MX2, still plenty of talent there, still yeah. winning GPs, and uh, really good season, as you say, for Brian Burgers, he gets 6th in MXGP and, and win a Grand Prix, for that team and for Brian, that's that's a phenomenal season. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic, and, and just to add well, to really the privateer. Yeah, 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 and just add to the 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 the, the season that Dutch Dutchies have had. They also won the WMX title. I think the first that's Dutch right. lady to do that, Nancy van der Ven, yeah. and then obviously Kaz Volk winning the EMX one two five title, and Ivano van Aert winning the one two five junior world championship title. So even it? though even <laughs> though they haven't got Jeffrey Harlings, you know, and winning the MXGP. They, they, they've still had a lot of success this year for such a small country. It's very, very impressive. Yeah, they've won Grand Prix in, well, both classes are at least races. And obviously all the, the EMX titles, WMX. EMX 85 title too, actually. I forgot about. Junior title. It's that's for such a small country. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. And I'm sure the continued success of the likes of Jeffrey, of Brian, Broger, of Glenn, that's inspiring that the next generation, Kyle, do that as well. Once you believe it's possible, it seems to make uh, things easier and inspire the next generation. Just as well, Ruben Fernandez started really strong, difficult. I think he's riding a bit injured towards the end yeah. of the year. Still eighth in points. If he and Prado can recover from everything the next two weeks, get their form back. Spain have a very good team, especially with Fares, I presume, riding that star Yamaha at the Nations. Uh, yeah, well, on the entry list, it says Fares is riding the KTM. I do uh, hope they give him the star Yamaha, so. though, fingers crossed, you would hope so. Hopefully that's just an error in the entry list. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like you say, a, a strong team. I think when all three are riding at the best of their ability, maybe on a European track, you could you couldn't count them out of the win, but at the minute Fernandez and Prado are far from their best. So, uh, if they get top six, top seven, I think, and at Red Bull, they'll probably be doing well. And uh, yeah, it'll be nice to see Fares racing Red Bull after um having a good couple of rounds at the AMA Nationals. You have to say comfortably, comfortably running in the, in the top ten. So good to see. Yeah, and Fernandez for next year, if he can keep fit, he's going to be another one to watch because be. Speed wise, he's there and certainly isn't isn't intimidated. Mm-hmm. And he'll have he'll be. Uh, I'm, I assume him and Geyser will be on Sardinia, um, together in the off season. Yeah, so he'll be able to learn from a five time world champion, which can only help you. 
That's it. And a few others then. Alberto Ferrado, difficult parts of the season with injuries and stuff, but whenever he was on, he was on and he was really, really quick. Guadagnini, almost yeah, similar. He came in. Part. Yeah, if, if he gets a start, he's there. So Italy, again, of good riders coming through after Crowley. Ferrado obviously just missed out on Motocross of Nations team selection, but he, he was roughly on the pace of Guadagnini anyway in Turkey. So good good for Italy and really good for Ferrado because he's it's easy to get lost in MXGP, especially whenever you're not getting consistent starts like him or you have niggling injuries. But he showed this year when he does get starts and when he is healthy and he's on form, he's really, really fast. Absolutely. A uh, really good season for him. And one rider one rider that did, did not ride an awful lot of GPs, but whenever he did ride, he noticed him. Valentin Guillo. Oh, yeah. He was on my next what, on my list. Um, yeah. <laughs> years has to be said and uh, you know what it's just nice to see him ride like that again because it's easy to forget but this guy was elite in MX2 it's nice to see him run it yeah exactly but it is easy to forget you know for the casual fans so Mm -hmm. great to see him at the front of MXGP again and I would like to see him secure a full time ride in 2023 to be honest I think with working with Demaria and the motivation he seems to have back, he could be a, a solid top 10 guy, so he'd be a good option of it. It's a pretty astounding tur- turnaround. I mean, he was only a couple, he was a lap less than that away from third in the first moto. Um, I know, Unbelievable. You know, he was he was absolutely, obviously he's really, really good in hard pack, but at, uh, Jeremy Sewell, but pleased as well, going to, going to Red Bull, Team Sweden, or Team Sweden, Team Switzerland, don't have a bad team now with, uh, Valentin Guillaume, as you say, he was really fast in, in MX2 at one point, and he never quite got it going in the 450, so it's really nice to see him really showing that talent again, and it's not easy, easy to do that, not in this class, but also not whenever yeah. you've had time off, you've had injuries, you've lost all your momentum coming from MX2 with all that form, and he's not even a full-time GP, MXGP rider, so to just come into the class and, and run that pace top 10, top 5 speed, Really, really impressive, and as I say, it's not easy to do that, so it deserves a lot of respect. Absolutely, for full, full credit, though. and yeah, like we say, hopefully we can see him full time in twenty twenty three. And I think a rider that improves here, despite not racing the full championship, it's not going to the flowers of Brent Van Dyke, especially at the end of the season. He looked like he belonged in the top ten, and for the first time, maybe his MXGP career it looked like he believed it too, which is good mm-hmm. to see. Riley are going to run an MXGP rider next year, but he does have a few offers, so it'll be interesting to see what, what he can do now that he goes in he goes into twenty twenty three feeling confident. So hopefully he can have a good off season and perform. And hopefully next year none of the top guys will get injured. There was a feeling that this year, even though the racing was good at, at individual moments, yeah, and the depths were still there, it was just a bit flat this year. And I think maybe with Tim getting that early lead in the championship, no Jeffrey, no Roman and obviously Caroli running a part-time schedule in America. There was something missing this year, and that doesn't mean that Renault and Sir Prado and all were cold enough, weren't riding really well to wear. But I think when you have such an all-time championship last year to have half of those guys out injured, especially with Prado getting injured as well, it was missing something. And the fact that Tim got such a big lead early with all the other riders having their issues, even though they were able to beat Tim at times, they were never quite there really in touch with, with the championship. Mm-hmm. And hopefully next year, 
more of the riders can can sort of go with Tim Geyser at the start of the year and make this a, an exciting championship again. Exactly, and, and, and I mean, like we've said a few times, I think if Hurling's in February are ready to go at round one, I, th- I think it I think it will be a lot closer next year. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be nice to see um, guys maybe make Geyser fight for it a little bit more, and yeah, and also, hopefully. Sir knows how to win. He's winning more consistently. So he, this season will give him a step in confidence. Obviously, Maxim Renault is going to be more confident and more experienced. So you can maybe add those two into the mix as well. Um, You don't know what Mitch Evans is going to do, the likes of Lander and the Bogers, who's who've got their wins this year. Glenn Kolonoff as well can never be counted out. So on one side, it's maybe raised other riders' confidence. And then you add these guys back in next mm-hmm. year. Fingers crossed everyone stays fit and it could be back to one of those all-time seasons. And we're already seeing, even in Turkey, the depth of speed in this class is still ridiculous with injuries and people not even doing the final round. <laughs> the pace was still white hot. So it's always going to have that going for it. Hopefully next year, the, the, the fight for the title is going to be pretty intense. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Uh, and another one to throw out there is Mario Guardanini. I think he got his first top yeah. five overall in MXGP class. So... Even though we all, you know, questioned it, you have to say he's performing better in MXGP this year than he did in MX2. Whether that's mm-hmm. due to a bit of pressure or whatnot, who knows? But it's looking like he's made the right decision. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep these results and this kind of speed up in MXGP next year. Especially with a full winter of knowing, yeah. knowing his program for next year, riding with Prado. I presume he'll get riding with Hurlings a bit as well. And and all those guys is only going to help him. Right, let's move across to America. And 450s, a bit like MX2, it was those Chase uh, Sexton and Eli Tomac going at it, especially the last half of the year. Yeah. To lose the championship for Chase Sexton, slightly like Iago Gertz, they did also crash into each other, but that was at Washougal, not the final round. <laughs> yeah. Chase crashed three times in the second moto. Eli Tomac just made it happen when he had to in the first moto to give himself a bit of a margin for error. But Chase was barely out of the top two positions all season long and somehow still narrowly lost the lost the championship. That's got to be hard to take. But at the same time, his performance, he's always been fast, but to have that consistency of performance was remarkable, really. And to go get that close to winning the title against Eli Tomac, one of the best ever outdoors, he has to be proud of that. And I'm sure that'll carry in the next year. Absolutely. I mean, again, similarly to Vial and Gertz, it was a pleasure to watch these guys battle and for it to be so close in championship chase, it made it really exciting. And yeah, I mean, in the last round there, I think a backmarker killed Saxon in the first moto, to be honest. And as soon as as soon as Tomac won that first moto, you sort of knew, unless something remarkable happened, he was going to win the title. I mean, they were a minute ahead of third place, so it, it needed something monumental later go wrong to Tomac for for um for him to lose that title because the speed difference was, was quite remarkable really but the way the second moto started it actually looked like Chase was gonna get his chance remarkably but yeah, yeah just, was, just that, a, yeah, his crash was weird. Yeah, yeah. That first crash it really turned the momentum back into yeah, Max's favour there. Yeah I mean I still do think Eli would have came up the second Probably, no problem. Yeah, but at but least the, it was th- a bit the, more the thing pressure. is yeah exactly you just don't know how he would have coped with the pressure if Chase maybe takes his time a little bit more, gets to the lead, and then Eli's sixth or whatever, you know, you don't know what way, you know, that could have forced him into a yeah. mistake, you never know, but we'll never know now, but 
I still think that first moto, um, Chase needed to win that, and it looked. I think the the pace was very very close between them. I think if that back marker hadn't got in the way, Chase might have done it. But as he alluded to in the podium, it was nobody's fault. He just needed to be better around the back markers, and mm-hmm. sometimes the margins are that small. So it's just a shame, really, for him. But on the other side, uh, an unbelievable way for Eli Tomac to bow out of the MA Nationals. It looks like that'll be his his last race as a professional motocross rider. He might do a couple next year as a wild card, who knows, but as in terms of being a professional motocross rider, perfect way to buy out, really, and, and the MA Nationals. So, yeah, now I'll be looking to, for redemption at Red Bull after the, the disaster of 2018. They'll be looking to win it for Team yeah, USA. he wins now. that. He's had his, the perfect season for his last full-time season. He literally couldn't have won anymore. Exactly, exactly. And I think they're going to take some stopping, to tell you the truth. So let's hope it rains a little bit to make it interesting. <laughs> and just on Chase, looking at his results, he finished out of the top two twice, a fourth and a seventh, and he didn't win the championship. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. If you tell anyone that at the start of the year, like you would be like, I'll guarantee you the, I'll guarantee you the championship. But it's yeah. still, Tomac's just that good that when it really exactly. came down to it, he, he just had the edge somehow. Exactly, exactly. Um, quite unbelievable. Although, you, you do have to sit and look at it. Those two were were level above like the rest, especially yeah, at the end do. of the season, like you said. The speed difference is quite crazy. So, uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see how much closer the GP guys are than than the the third to sixth guys and and um AMA. Obviously, it's in America, so I'm expecting Jason and Eli to dominate at their home track. But um, I yeah. do think the GP guys will be closer. Like they'll. It would have been very it. interesting to get if though if it was a GP a European mm. track the nations yeah, to get yeah. see if those guys could transfer the speed to a track that, mm. that's not in America where yeah. they don't have the advantage and then it'd be more of an even playing field then. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be easy for any of the GP guys, especially when arguably the yeah. two fastest yeah. aren't there. Tim guys Three are Jeffrey Hurlings. Yeah. or for Fever at the yeah. moment. Obviously, and it looks like last, Dylan's out. Yeah. Moment. Exactly, yeah. they're arguably the quickest, but uh, it's going to be interesting. It sounds like Dylan Fernandez is going to be out now, so will uh, the FFM pick Febra or will the, the write yeah. a storyline and pick somebody else you wouldn't I'm know? I'm hoping <laughs> they can convince either Vial to go back into MX2 and then Musk on a 450 or else Febra to go because if they get either of those two, there's still a chance. Yeah. But for me, if, if Vial was riding and you'd either Febra or Dylan, then I think they're very, very close to being as good as America in every position. You would imagine Vial's yeah. quicker than Cooper. Fever's starts aren't the best. That could give the advantage to Saxon with the pace he's riding, but you know, it's uh, it would have been a lot closer. I would imagine France would have probably been in their second favourites to America. Now, with the way things are going, with they're basically on a, a C team nearly now with uh, Ferrandis. If Ferrandis isn't able to ride, and even if he is, He's probably not going to be fully healthy yeah. with limited races under his belt, plus a sore back. It's certainly not looking good for France. I think at the minute, as long as Mitch Evans, as long as it's not too hot in red, but you're looking probably Australia and, and Holland for any chance of America not winning, but it's going to be so difficult to, to beat America, I would imagine, unless yeah. Holland have their A game coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could see Australia doing it, but um, Mitch yeah. Evans still doesn't seem to have 30 minutes plus two in the bag, so I don't think he'll be strong enough to. I suppose if he could give them one good moto, that might be enough. Yeah, if, Hunter, um, then he but, yeah, have a mistake or bad start too. Yeah, exactly. It'll be trickier for him because he'll be on the two fifty as well. So 
if he gets a bad start, it's going to be difficult to pass the four fifties. But I'm 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 excited to see Jetna. I have to say it. It wouldn't surprise me if he's he he's he's the one that's able to run with Eli and Chase. To be honest. Yeah, I think him and Renault are probably the the best bets. I would imagine. You don't know what Crowley's going to do. If you think he got injured in Buds Creek, but he did qualify second ahead of both Saxon and Tomac, and he knows that track. So Crowley could be the the wild card there. He's He's said all year that the donations is his focus and he's been riding. He's only took a few days off after injuring his wrist and he's been riding ever since, I think, on and off. And Guadagnini's just had a good form there. Adamo, I don't know, but with Justin Cooper, he can make the odd mistake as well. So there's yeah. there's teams that are there, but you would say on paper, it's America's to lose with what's happening with, with France. But again, with the pressure, as you said, it'll be interesting on an individual level what GP riders can run with Saxon and Tomac, but it's just unfortunate Tim Geyser and, as you said, the minute Roman Fever and certainly Jeffrey Herlings aren't going to be there. So maybe yeah, all, all just... on Glenn Kolenhoff to repeat 2018. <laughs> <laughs> may rain quite a lot, otherwise uh, that's very <laughs> unlikely. I suppose Jeremy Sure could be up yeah, there as be well. Good to I actually watch. forgot about him, yeah. But then, you know, riders riding for those nations, are they that up for it, you know? Like Switzerland have no chance of winning the Nations yeah. uh, and they don't want to end the season in hospital either. I'm yeah, sure after this they all want to go yeah, they yeah. all want to go on holiday after board a plane and go go away somewhere. So yeah, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, also Joe Schmode will be be good to watch as well. He was he ended the two fifty season on a high. Um just before we go to the two fifties in America, four fifty class, Jason Anderson, third overall. He had his best year. He wasn't quite on the level of Tomac and Saxon. But in terms of outdoors, he, he got overall wins. Third overall, really, really strong Supercross season. And probably as a as a dual series when you take everything on board. Obviously, he, he's a Supercross champion previously. But for both series, that was maybe the strongest Jason Anderson's been over a sort of 10-month, 12-month period. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I wasn't sure what, what Jason was going to be like back on the, the Kawasaki after so many years at the Husky team. But um, yeah, it, was, it looks like it was the best thing for him, to be honest. He's had such a strong season. and He was definitely the next best after the, the, the Chase and Eli show. So really, really good season for him. And he'll look to build on that now going into next year, that's for sure. And Ken Roxon fourth, unfortunately. Again, he had health issues. Again, he showed he has the speed at the start of the races. But fourth overall, almost like Jorge Prado, it almost shows how good those two are, how talented those guys are to be at the sharp end. Still one of the, in the top five of a very competitive championship, both of them not really at 100%. Yeah, I mean, for Roxon, it's, it's even tougher to watch because, Whereas, you know, for two or three laps, end, he's you know? the quickest on the track and then he just yeah. drops back and drops back. Prado doesn't quite drop back that much. You know, he could, Roxon could be leading and then by the end of the moto, he could put 10th or something stupid. Yeah. So, very, very frustrating <laughs> to watch because he has so much talent. But yeah. yeah, that's just the way it is. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes super cross only. That that yeah. WSX is made for him. Eight, yeah, eight laps for him, yeah. yeah. Um, Christian Craig, fifth place. Really strong year for Christian. And for me, he's a bit unlucky not to get that 250 seat at, at the Motocross of Nations. 250 Supercross champion, fifth in the 450 class. Strong in whatever condition, sometimes his fitness maybe has been questioned, but not this year. Fast and strong everywhere, dealt with the pressure in Supercross. Really good season for him. And then Ryan Dungey, sixth overall, comeback season. 
he probably almost peaked actually at, at the first round at Pala. Hmm. He kind of thought he's if he's this good already, he's only going to yeah. get better. But he hovered around that four to eight positioning all season. But really sixth overall, not racing for five years. You have to commend him. It was really good. I'm actually, he's actually now said he's not going to race next year after rumors were that he was enjoying it and he did want to race again. So obviously family to think about and everything like that. But maybe this is just what he wanted to do. He wanted to see where he was. He's still at that desire to see where he was. And he's seen that he's still really good. But the level of Tomac and Sexton is maybe something to get there again. The commitment you're going to yeah. have with a family, it's probably not worth it for him at this point. He's already achieved everything he wants to in America. And to show that he's still the pace to run inside the top five outdoors is it's pretty impressive, really. Sixth overall, and I think that's really, really good for Ryan. Absolutely. It was a cool story more than anything else. You know, five years out without racing, coming mm-hmm. back and then, you know, being very, very competitive. I mean, if you took um, if you took Saxon and Tomac out of it, which were just on another level to everyone else, really, you know, he, he wasn't really that far away off the rest. Um, So very commendable. Good, good to see. And I think, yeah, like you said, he's just got the edge out of his system now. Probably wanted just to have one more season under his belt and before he called it a day. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good to see. It's just a shame, really, he didn't do this before and KTM didn't allow him because, you know, if he had come back up, um, two years after retiring, you know, he, he'd, yeah. he'd have been even more competitive. But that's just the way it is. And, yeah, good luck to, to his future. And hopefully yeah. he still goes to the paddock and enjoys the racing. Well, there's a bit of luck as well that Tomac and Saxon had this kind of year, the year he came back. Mm. Sort of normal level year, it might have been just the two of them setting a sort of elite elite pace. Also, I should mention Josh Gilbert, 20th, 20th in, the, in the AMA Championship, only doing a handful of rounds. A top 15 regular really on, on raw pace. Really impressive for him. British rider not actually chosen for the nations either. Tommy Searle got in ahead of him and obviously Dean Wilson. Dean actually was obviously understandably a bit shaky coming back for his first round there, just inside the, the top 20 in the first moto. But by the end, he was getting into the top 10, so Decent optimism for, for, for Team GB there. And then you have Caroli, 16th. Obviously, things didn't really go the way he probably wanted. It looked like he wanted to stay there for the whole year. He was getting faster. He was learning the, the tracks quickly. His pace was coming back. His fitness was coming back. And then KTM said, no, we can't support you for the for all the rounds. Came back to Bud's Creek, went second quickest. So I think that showed that his preparation was better for Bud's Creek. The pace was better. He knew the track. We're starting to see the real... Antonio Caroli that maybe MXCP had, had seen for the last 15 years and then obviously he that crash and injury and that sort of put an end to any more AMA rounds but as we've mentioned he's, it looks like he's going back for Redbud so the Americans get the same again and they'll probably get to see the best version of Caroli at Redbud I would imagine but still it's great to see Caroli there it was sort of like a throwback of 10 years previous with Caroli and, and Dungey out in the AMA Nationals really cool for the fans yeah, very, very cool. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what um, Crowley decides to do next year, actually. Um, if he decides to do another couple of rounds and, and wants to race the French boat across nations or if he'll say enough's yeah. enough and, you know, he's a dad now and maybe focus on that and the coaching. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for Crowley after Redbud, that's for sure. I, I would still like to see him do the odd MXGP or two, but that doesn't seem to be of interest to him, unfortunately. And just finally, to end on somewhat of a negative note, Dylan Ferrandez, 24th in the championship. He only got to ride two rounds of essentially three motors because Justin Barsha took him out and injured him. Barsha got 
eighth in the championship, he was usually better outdoors, so was expecting a bit more again. That could be this the bike maybe not not playing ball again, but Barsha eighth overall. But unfortunately for Barsha, he's going to be more remembered for his takeouts, even in Supercross, and he sort of masked his uh, reputation again with what he, he did to Ferrandis. And Dylan Ferrandis, the number one plate, coming in with so much hype, injured in Supercross, mm. then taking it serious for, for outdoors to try and defend his title. Pretty much a nightmare, although at least he did get to ride with the number one plate. He had photos of himself racing with the number one plate for whenever he looks back on his career, which is nice. Fourth, tenth, and sixth. <laughs> yeah, pretty much three proper <laughs> film motos. But at least he was there and he got some good results, so he knows his speed's there. But Dylan Baranis is probably the most disappointed rider in the championship for how his season's gone. Yeah, it's a big shame. It, that was the biggest disappointment of the AMS season, I think, because of footy fit Dylan Ferrandis. It's definitely the third best guy, and I don't think he would have been too far off chasing Eli either. Um, you know, he's got the speed to go with those guys. If he gets a start, starts are maybe his weakness, so that could have let him down when it came down to the championship. But you know, this guy is a specialist in motocross, so I don't think he would have been too far away from from chasing Eli. And hopefully, he can just stay injury free next year, and we can see the best of him. So move on to two fifty class, and really, there's a, there's one story in time when it comes to the. MN Nationals in the 250 division. In fact, when it comes to the 250 class overall, there's one story, and that's Jet Lawrence <laughs> winning nearly every single round, even the rounds he didn't win a moto. He still found a way to win the overall, usually. He had that DNF at Redbud. But apart from there, you would probably say almost like Tim Geyser, maybe not to the same extent, he didn't have that as big a lead, but probably went into more conservation mode towards the end of the season. A lot of seconds and thirds, less wins at the start of the year. He was getting more moto wins, but I don't think that was the fact that the rest suddenly went quicker than Jet, although Joe Shimoda did certainly raise his level to, to take second in the championship over Hunter. But Jet sort of did what he had to do, mature, I think he's Z19, two-time AMA motocross championship champion, supercross champion. He's pretty much ready to go 450 on Luckily for us, he's going for 50 in three weeks to get an experience of what it's going to be like next year outdoors in America. Absolutely. An unbelievable season for Jet, really. And, you know, halfway through the season when we heard he was going to 450 next year, I thought it was a bit strange. But I think it's the right decision now Um, after seeing he's by far the quickest rider in the 250 class. And I think even though he's still, still incredibly young, I think focusing on the 250 and Supercross and then going 450 for the outdoors, even just for a new challenge, it's probably the right decision. Mm-hmm. The problem is Jet's so good, he'll probably master the 450 out in a couple of seasons. And the he'll be in the same, he'll be, well. Yeah, and he'll be in the same situation probably as he is now in the 250 class in a couple of years' time. If he stands you free, he's that much better than everyone. So, you know what he can do. Yeah, what, yeah what a future he has MXGP in store, that's for sure. Every oh, title. well, that's not going <laughs> to happen. Definitely not. But I would love to see it, but that'll not happen. I think they love the American lifestyle too much. They wouldn't want to come back and live in um, snow (laughs) snow on the ground and minus 10 temperatures. One's a bit more attractive than that in sunny California and Florida. Um, But yeah, Jet, Jet's the next next guy there. Saxon, what's very interesting is Saxon in terms of US-born riders. He's obviously the next guy to take over from Tomac as the guy to beat, but his mm, teammate, Jed Lawrence, is the guy that looks like he's going to try and go one above Chase Sexton. So that that'll, could be an interesting team dynamic. It'll also be interesting to see if Jet 
rides any 450s on the opposite coast. That used to be a big thing in the, in the mid to late 90s, even early 2000s. Doesn't happen so much anymore. But you'd wonder if Jet dominates whatever coast he's on and, and has a couple of rounds that he can ride a 450 indoors. That could be something else. But certainly he's riding the 450 in, in the nations. And that's going to be really, really intriguing to see if he can take his 250 speed onto the 450. And I don't really see why not. As I say, his style is fantastic. The balance is kind of reminiscent of, of Stefan Everts, actually. So I think the bigger bike's really going to suit him. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I'm excited to see him in the 450 at Red Bull. Actually, it it should be good, and he'll be he'll he'll be buzzing. I think to to try and get the win for Australia, so he'll be motivated too, along with his brother. Another thing that's going to be really interesting, actually, is you as you said, um, Saxon, there is the American-born guy that's that's going to maybe take over the throne from Tomac before Jet comes. But after that, who's the next? You know, who's going to be the next American? Looking at the 250 class over there, it's dominated by a couple of Aussies and, and a Japanese rider. Obviously, you've got Justin Cooper. I think he'll be better next year. Still don't really know what he's doing. This talk, he'll be maybe just do a few Supercross he on could the end 450 up and then doing uh, the 250 Nationals. Yeah, I think he'll be better than what he was this year, but he's, he's not exactly young anymore. Who do you look no. to is the next big thing? Justin Deegan's started. got a lot of hype. But, he's good, but, but I mean, he's, yeah, it's he's, he's a lot. Yeah, and don't forget Tom Vial will be joining the party if, if he can survive Supercross. Yeah, he, there's no reason why he can't run with Joe Shimoda or Hunter Lawrence. Okay, he might not win the title, but he gets good starts and he's, he's got a lot of speed, so I think he'll be the third best guy probably. And Justin Cooper's looking more and more like the new Jeremy Martin. Really good outdoors. Is he going to get yeah. an opportunity on a 450 Supercross to really go for a title with his stature? And he's a good Supercross rider, but is he sort of the Jet Lawrence level that he's going well, to get to the money? It's going to be interesting to see what well, his future goes. He could. He should really I, go to GPs if you're yeah, asking Yeah, well, me. I, I was reading guy. an interview with him and they asked him about Supercross and he said he was kind of over Supercross. Right. So he, he's not to you know i think i think i think if he wants to he might be able to do the full season but it might boil down to whether he wants to do the full season in the fourth yeah, he won the title uh, this yeah. year anyway so yeah so it will last be interesting year as it was yeah it will be interesting i'm with you i mean if you're in america and you and you don't if you're not really appealed to supercross why don't you come and race motocross you know the real motocross and, yeah and mxgp Seriously? but but then of course where does he get a ride in mxgp as well he's too old for right? mx2 now isn't he, he oh yeah yeah he's 25 i think is, is he? he not I think so he's, so getting, he's getting around yeah. there like yeah so yeah, yeah. he'd have to go to MS. so then he's unproven on a 450 yeah. tracks in a very competitive class he's he's um, sort of going down a bit of he's going down a bit yeah. of a cul-de-sac which is a bit of a shame yeah, for him obviously is. outdoors even indoors he's a very good rider on a 250 yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. And it'll obviously be interesting to see how he does at Red Bull. I think, um, aren't I right in saying the last time he raced the motocross the nations was awesome? Yeah, he won the qualifier, and, although yeah, and was catching him. And then, yeah, so he was really good on the Saturday, yeah. and then he got knocked. I think him and Anderson collided. Yeah, collided. Yeah. And then, so they were so accidentally he, out, so it was wet, so yeah. it was hard to sort of get a gauge, but it was it was a bit of a nightmare for him. Yeah, so he'll be looking redemption. Yeah, exactly. Saxon said America's the greatest country in the world, so I think he's out to, to prove a lot as well as his First Nations. So they've got a they've got motivation from every side of America. We'll do a preview on that mm-hmm. in a few days' time. We'll not get carried away with the Motocross of Nations yet. But sticking with the Motocross of Nations theme and that they're both going to be riding the Motocross of Nations at Redbud. Joe Shimoda and Hunter Lawrence. Mm-hmm. 
they're pretty friendly, but they weren't too friendly. At least Joe yeah. Shimoda wasn't. After Hunter took him out in, in the first moto, Joe still made sure he got second overall with a really, really strong ride. Maybe his best ride of the year. Second moto at Pala, ran away yeah. from everyone. Even yep. Jet Lawrence thought, yep, no, I'm not going to risk anything to get him. I'll take second and win the overall. So Joe Shimoda, really strong ride there. They're going to face off again at the Motocross of Nations. Will there be any revenge from Shimoda on Hunter? You would think probably not because Shimoda's pretty nice, but Hunter has to be disappointed getting third. At one point, he wasn't far away from Jet. Races here and there, he probably should have beat Jet. It didn't quite happen. He maybe should have won the overall. Jet would nick the overall. And the second half of the season has been tougher for Hunter, but he's still fast. But it really, you would think he's, he'd feel he should have been at least second in that championship. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of sums up Hunter Lawrence's career, to be honest. So yeah. so close, but yet so far yeah. a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, still a very good season. Him and Jed, I think, especially the first half of the season, were mm-hmm. definitely the two quickest. I think Joe definitely lifted his level at the halfway point. And like you said, that second moto at Pala, that was Shimoto's probably the best ride of his career. It was unbelievable. Um, I don't think anybody would have run with him there. That one-off moto, he was he was mm-hmm. very, very strong. And I was actually quite surprised at how rough the track was. That was one of the roughest tracks of road yeah, this year, I think. Track. So, yeah, that, that was good to see. I think that's what them boys need to ride more. So, And Shimoto obviously must like those conditions because he was fantastic. So hopefully Red Bull gets as rough, although I can't see it. So Justin Cooper was top American fourth, then RJ Hampshire fifth. Good comeback for RJ. It's shaky sort of start to the year. Came on strong at the end, but again, uh, had, a, had a couple of crashes, though he, he did get a podium. You certainly can't question RJ Hampshire for effort. And then I think probably the underrated maybe rider, and you're talking about Americans with good young potential coming through. Max Boland, sixth overall. Really difficult Supercross season, but really consistent outdoors Came on strong, a wee bit like Joe, not to the same level, of course, but the second half of the season, Fulham rode really, really well. Sixth overall, he has to be pleased with that because after Supercross, his sort of pro career was looking a bit shaky and he, he's really turned it around outdoors. Yeah, he kind of goes under the radar, doesn't he? Because he mm-hmm. hasn't got wow moments. You no, know, he's not getting that. He's not even a podium guy, really, but he's consistently 6-12 to 12 every week. Yeah, I think Bud's and Creek I was the only moto yeah. where he was leading. He was sort of up there for a while, but yeah. he's consistent. He's almost like yeah, where Joe, exactly. Joe was a couple of years ago, just consistently yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see if he can take the next level. I'm not so sure he can because I'm not sure if he'll ever get have that you know, Raw speed. speed yeah. But um yeah, like you say, it's very, very consistent and that'll help him when it comes to the championship standings as it did this one. But I'm sure it'll still improve because he's still quite young. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for him. Absolutely. And two fifty class we just uh touched on there. Fares came and <laughs> made a lot of Americans wonder who he was, I think, whenever he first came over. Top 10, pretty much on speed. I think he could crash a rear brake or front brake or rear brake yeah. issue in this last moto there. Mm. Um, he obviously didn't do Palo, the second moto on Ironman. But that was an interesting thing as well, just him going over EMX, sort of MX2, doing bits and bobs there in GPs and going straight over there, running the pace, getting the sixth, sixth and ninth in his top 10s. Mm. A couple of crashes actually cost him better overall results. And I think everyone was pretty wide-eyed in America to this random to them Spaniard was, but for anyone that's been following EMX and even MX2 a bit, Fares has, has had some real good speed the last couple of years, and 
he isn't the only Spaniard coming through. There's, there's Braceras as well coming. Mm-hmm. And there's the third. Martinez. Martinez as yeah. well is very fast too. Mm-hmm. So there's probably three on a somewhat similar level. And obviously you've got maybe another eight guys from, yeah. from the AMX series coming through of that level and maybe even better. So AMX is providing yet again America with talent, MX2 with talent, and eventually MXTP and probably MF450. Mm-hmm. So anyone knocking that. Series probably needs needs their head looking at a wee bit, but great great for Fares. It looks like now he well, there was talk he was going to ride MX two next year for a good team. Now he might be going AMA, I think. Yeah, it sounds like he's he's going to be signing a two year deal with Star Yamaha, but next year he'll be motocross only, and then the year after he'll be on the full program Supercross. So yeah, it's a it's a strange one. If he goes, I sort of do understand why he's staying. You know, it's an unbelievable team, unbelievable bike. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if he's doing motocross only, I would like to see him at least start the season in MX2, so at least he can get a bit of MX2 experience before he goes to America. That, I think that would make more sense than him just doing 12 nationals a season. But we'll have to see what, what happens with that one. Yeah, and a rider I'd actually like to see do the first few rounds before the nationals would be, would be Deegan, Hayden Deegan. To me, that yeah. would be great education to ride some GPs and then go back over for the Nationals in America. would would really bring them on. You're riding such a different variety of tracks, riders you've never heard of, speeds of different styles of racing, corner speed, standing up, all that sort of stuff would really educate them for going back home to, to race the Nationals. We've seen 16, I think he is. He's almost on that top 10 speed, so he isn't far away already. Get him riding in, in GPs for a few rounds and go back to America. I think it'd be a shortcut to a quicker learning curve. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see it, but he's American, so I can't really <laughs> see that happen. It doesn't really happen because they don't look at the GPs much. I think Covington did do it, but he had done a wild card for Steve Dixon because I think Sanae got injured and he drafted him just for one race. And then Covington seen how cool it was. And then mm-hmm. he said, okay, I'll start the season. And then the yeah. plan was to go back and do AMA, but then actually they managed to convince him to stay for a whole season and then, and then he stayed in GPs for a while after that. But yeah, but that only really happened because he got the one off opportunity. You know, I don't think Deegan will be looking at the GPs, unfortunately, because they're not really brought up that way. Whereas I think Fares, you would think, might be a bit more realistic that he could start the, the season in GPs because yeah. at least he's Spanish and, you know, why would nearest a few GPs to warm up? But uh, the problem is if he's going to have a star contract. Uh, it's a lot of work for them. Maybe he could ride for Raths, his current team in Europe, and then go and do race for Star and AMS, something like that, potentially. It would need to be discussed anyway, but it would be good to see, that's for sure. And Marvin Muscon will... He raced one round just really to warm up for the, for the motocross the nation. It was probably pretty a smart thing to do. Impressive in that first moto. Was obviously over 100 degrees and, and they had to reduce the, the time by, by five minutes, 25 minute motos. 5.9, he didn't get to start the second moto. His pace was pretty good. So that's encouraging for France. But then you see Vial on the Sunday and the ridiculous pace he was running mm-hmm. with good starts as well. And you, you're still thinking Marvin's probably going to do a good job, but losing Vial is, <laughs> isn't going to be easy for France to, to replace those starts in that speed. Yeah, I mean, Muscon's speed was okay. It was actually quite good. Um, I think that was his first motocross race. Was it in over two years? Something yeah, along so those lines. Yeah, so he was up with Justin Cooper was, for a long yeah, but, time. Yeah, the problem is once he dropped back, you know, he dropped back. That was the issue. And mm-hmm. the nation's just going to be an extra five minutes. And it's going to be two days of riding. Yeah. So 
that's going to be difficult for Marvin, I think. But I mean, his general speed will be okay, I'm sure. And and time practice and free practice, he probably won't be that far off. It's yeah, just you would the, hope he'll just need one moto, so if he can get one yeah. good start and just let on on the line, it might be enough for him. Um, yeah, true. You're going to tell Vico another British based rider points top twenty, and obviously uh, Dylan Waltz again got points from the British helmet. So there's quite a lot of uh, British GP interest in America this year. There's guys even just doing some some rounds to show their speed, and they can be point scores in America and. And for them on a personal level, really cool experience, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Going over there, lifestyle's obviously a lot better. The, the weather's a lot better. And yeah, why not do it? If, if, you, if, you, if you get the opportunity, it's cool to see. And it's obviously good for us to see um, riders um, in Europe and and more nationalities. It's just America doing it. It's, it. It keeps it interesting and cool. Yeah. And next year, of course, Jet is going to the, the two, 450 class outdoors so that opens it up quite good yeah that's quite good for the 250 class i think because it'll open it up obviously hunter and and joe will be the two favorites but like like, you would imagine yeah and yeah like um gertz and vial this year coming into the season it was kind of 50 50 i think it'll probably be 50 50 between hunter and shimoda and then the other two might go in under the radar a bit more yeah you at this point you're probably saying it's those four you're probably going to your, your pre-season phase, but we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. We'll wrap that up yeah. for 2022 America and GP World Championship season review. Annie, we'll be back with a motocross of nations preview, but for now, thank you. And we'll speak to you guys again soon.